0: Our scripture reading today comes from the gospel according to Luke in the 14th chapter. We find ourselves in the middle of a dinner party where Jesus is speaking. And if you were here last Sunday, we read the the, the verses just prior to this. And we're going to draw on that in a little bit. But they're at a party and this is what happens. Jesus has actually just told them a story, and this is what happens. One of the dinner guests, on hearing this, said to Jesus, Blessed is anyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. Then Jesus said to him, Someone gave a great dinner and invited many. At the time for the dinner, he sent his slave to say to those who had been invited, Come, for everything is ready now. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, I've bought a piece of land and I must go out and see it. Please accept my regrets. Another said, I've bought five yoke of oxen and I'm, trying to, I'm going to try them out. Please accept my regrets. Another said, I've just been married, which really requires no explanation. And therefore, I cannot come, you understand. So the slave returned and reported this to the master. Then the owner of the house became angry and said to his slave, Go out at once into the streets and lanes of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. And the slave said, Sure, what you ordered has been done, and there's still room. Then the master said to the slave, go out into the roads and lanes, compel people to come in so that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those who are invited will taste my dinner. The word of the Lord. Join me in a prayer. You offer us your word O God, in so many ways, in the words of Holy Scripture, and in the recesses of our own hearts, you speak to us. Our prayer today is that the words you give us, may they seep down deep into the depths of our souls. May they reach the far corners of our lives and transform us, renew us, reshape us so that we might look at the world as you do, that we might look at other people the way you look at all of us. May your words speak to us today. In Christ we pray, O God. Amen. Okay. So, Luke's gospel... Likes to push the limits. In fact, that's what Luke does best. Pushes the limits. Just when you think you have a handle on what Luke is trying to say, he adds something new that bursts your bubble one more time. Happens all through the Gospel of Luke. It's what Luke does best pushes the limit, goes further and further out. A number of places where it happens, one of which is at the end when Jesus is on the cross and you get the crucifixion story. So as the gospels tell that story, all four of them tell us that there were two others with him being crucified that day. John's gospel leaves it just at that, two others. Matthew and Mark go a little further, they tell us and let us know that the two are bandits, which would have been our assumption probably anyway. They probably did something wrong, so they're up there and whatever, but the two are bandits. But Luke, Luke keeps going. Luke doesn't stop. Luke not only tells us that the other two were criminals. He actually records a conversation between them and Jesus, where one of the criminals turns to Jesus and says, remember me when you come into your kingdom, to which Jesus says, truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. In other words, if we were left to just what the other gospels say, we would have made all kinds of assumptions about these other two guys that are there with Christ on that day and being crucified. We've met all kind, but Luke wants to make it abundantly clear of just how far God's reach goes. Way past our own expectations. Surely not them, Luke says, yes. Even to them, God can reach. Luke likes to push the limit. Another place is in Luke chapter 15, the chapter just following what we just read a moment ago, chapter 15, where we get three a series of three parables linked together where Jesus is talking about and trying to describe how valuable we are in the eyes of God. He starts off, basically, you can hear the conversation, the assumed question of how valuable are you in the eyes of God? Well, let me tell you, here's a parable. And he tells the parable of the shepherd with a hundred sheep. A shepherd has a hundred sheep, one gets lost, and so the shepherd leaves the 99 to go and search for the one. Well, as I think we've mentioned before when we've mentioned that parable, all the shepherds in the room be like, what? That's crazy. You leave the 99 for just one, that makes no sense at all. Right. But that's how valuable you are in the eyes of God. Keeps going, adds another parable on top of it. This time, the parable of the valuable coin. Much more valuable than a sheep. And he tells, he talks about there was a woman who lost a valuable coin and searched the entire house, high and low, turned things over, searched everywhere behind every crevice, did not stop until the coin was found. And when she finds the coin, she invites the whole community, everybody, and throws a big party. And everyone sits there and hearing that goes, that's crazy. That takes more money to do that than the coin was worth that you might have lost in the first place. That doesn't make any sense. Right. But that's how valuable you are in the eyes of God. And at this point, we think we get it. We've got it. Okay, we've got it. No. Luke's Jesus keeps going and follows that one with the famous parable of the prodigal son father has two sons. One of them takes his inheritance early and runs into town and squanders it in loose living. He's gone for a good long while and runs out. And when he's completely out, completely destitute, has nowhere else to go, has nothing left to his name, finally decides, at least I can come home, his head held low, maybe I'll get a job on the family farm. And what does the father do? Runs and meets him halfway before he even gets there. Wraps his arms around him. Kills the fatted calf. Throws a big party. Why? Because my son was lost and is now found. At this point, people who are hearing these stories, their jaws would be on the floor in disbelief. But that's how valuable you are in the eyes of God. Luke pushes the limits. Our story today does the very same thing. It comes at the end of a number of things that happen at this dinner party. And we we read part of it last week, if you were here, where we talked about Jesus. He's invited to this party, right? And the first thing he does, as we read last week, is one of the first things is he criticizes the guests because all the guests are sitting there assuming that they're going to be seat, be seated at the guest of honor, you know, the the high place at the table, and they're all kind of assuming that. And there's and Jesus says to them, "Don't do that. Why are you doing that? If you're going to worry about where you're seated at the table, then you might as well assume the lowest seat. That way, if you're wrong, the host can move you up." And you get this sense when he tells the story that there's a bunch of people with a notepad taking notes. You know, like, oh yeah. That makes a lot of, I'm going to jot that down for future, pick the lowest seat, that makes a lot of sense. Thank you, got it. But Jesus keeps going. Once he's done with the guests, he then turns to the host and says, and you, if you're going to throw a party, don't invite your neighbors and friends and rich folk, don't invite these people, they can pay you back. Instead, invite the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Invite them. They can't pay you back. Therefore, your reward will be great in heaven. Now, the note-takers at this point would have been a little hesitant. You know, they're like, well, okay, but I really, I really want to invite my... Fr- okay. I, all right. I'll get... I got it. I understand we're talking about the kingdom of God here, and all right, I'll write that down. I got it. Cool. We're good. And that's where our reading today picks up. One of the guests, who's evidently a good note taker, jumps up and says, "Right, for blessed is anyone who eats bread in the kingdom of heaven. I took good notes. See, I'm good. I'm good to go. And Jesus tells them this story. And he starts off in this assumed way of the with things we've already talked about. He says, there was, a, there was someone who threw a big dinner. And they invited all their friends and and you know, high folks and, and their relatives and the rich folk. And so all right about at the beginning, the people hearing it are sitting there saying, we, you've already said this. We are, you're, okay, okay, we get that. And this is probably not going to go well. Okay, but Jesus keeps going anyway. Invites friends, relatives, all the rich folks in town. And the servant goes out and comes back and says, well, they're all busy. They've got important things to do. One has to watch their goats eat grass. The other one's got to sit in the room. They've got paint. They've got to watch dry. Really important stuff. They can't come. And the master of the house gets all upset, right? And says, well, you go out into the streets of the town and invite who? The poor, the blind, the crippled, the lame. Now, everyone at this point... Hearing the story would have been, right, we get it. We got it, okay? You don't have to beat us over their head with this thing. We got, I took good notes. I already wrote that down. I know I'm supposed to do that. I'm going to work on it. It's my spiritual you know, task for the month. We're going to work on that. I get it. But we don't. Luke has Jesus take it even further than that. servant comes back and says I invited all those folks but there's still more room so the master says then you go out into the roads go out into the lanes you find anyone you can find and you compel them to come now at this point the ones who would have heard this story told by Jesus would have dropped their pens here's why The roads and lanes are outside the city gates. What the master is asking the servant to do is to go beyond the safety of the city walls out to where all the bad stuff happens. There's only one type of group that lives out there and that's the group that's not allowed in the city. They've been excommunicated, sent away because of something they've done So this is the riffraff, the troublemakers. These are the ones that never get put on any party list because the only reason for them to be there is to crash the party. They're the banquet crashers. They're the messy, troublesome, problematic people that are always, it seems, up to no good. And the master has told the servant, you go there and you get them and you let them know they are. Are on the list, the banquet crashers, as I've put it. I actually went online this week and looked this up. I looked up party crashers, and it's interesting. There are actually categories of party crashers. I found websites very helpful. You know, (laughs) they're there to to instruct me on how to discover the types of people crashing your party so that you can get rid of them. Just real, nothing mean or anything. Just here's what it is, and here's how to get rid of them. <laughs> There's the freeloader, is one freeloader. They're there for free stuff. They're just looking around for free stuff. You know, you don't want them. There's this one's new, the suitcaser, as this blog called it. the suitcaser. The suitcaser refers to someone if you, your company is throwing a big banquet. The suitcaser is someone from a competing company that's been sent to infiltrate the system. You know, the mole. They're the one that wants to, and they're trying to peddle the competition, secretly, amongst your own party. The suitcase I just was like, really, you have a name for that? Okay. And finally, the, you know, the party animal, right? The people who can't get, don't seem to have enough fun. And These are the drunks. They keep going from party to party to party because they just can't get enough. They just keep, and they're the real messed up Ones that cause all kinds of problems. And the cat, these are categories. But these are the types of people that Luke is challenging the readers of his gospel to put on the list. I mean, you know, the ones who need to be invited are one thing. But the ones who should never ever be invited, that's a whole different thing altogether. And And that's where Luke is pushing us. The very people we would never think should ever be invited. God invites. God invites. The banquet crashers. That's the scandal of Luke's gospel. That's the scandal of the whole thing. That just when you think we've reached the limit, Luke pushes the limit farther out. Just when you think that Jesus has drawn a line in the sand, Luke has him walk right over it. Just when you think there have been enough people put on the list. Luke comes straight up to us and says, there's more room at the table. For such is the measure of the grace of God. There's always more room. You're always invited here at this table. In fact, this is the very table we're talking about. This is the great banquet. This is the parable that Jesus just told us being lived out in real life right now. The very thing that Jesus is challenging us to do in the way that we think about who should be invited to this table, God has already done here. God is doing here. God invited you to this table, and there was still more room, so God invited you. Still more room, so God invited you. And you, and you, and you, and you, and you, and guess what? Still more room. So God calls upon us to go out and invite anyone we can find because there's still more room. Go, yes, to the poor, the crippled, the blind, the lame, those who can't get there, get here on their own. Let them know they are on the list. Go through the streets and the back alleys. Walk right up to the troublemakers and the freeloaders and the drunks and the drug addicts. Let them know they are on God's list. Compel them to come. Bring them here to this table because here there's always more room. Always. For such is the measure of the grace of God God's grace never runs out of room. Never. For Luke, there is no limit. Jot that one down in your notes. Amen.